0: is there really
1: a level above old style? This is going to be fun. Not. Unfortunately, welcome back. Not. <laughs> just kidding.
0: <laughs> Friends are warmer than gold when you're old.
1: That's right, I lo- Mike. I love you. Love you too.
0: It's been a uh, a rough couple weeks around the Liquid Gold offices. Yeah. In Inglewood, yeah. Engle- Tennessee.
1: Yeah, it's a been a it's been a heavy heavy few days considering what we could have been doing two nights from now, right? Which is rocking out, rocking out. Over yeah, at the Mercy Lounge.
0: Well, friends are warmer than gold when you're old. That's a David Berman line, a recent David Berman line. An amazing Nashvilleian, indeed. That we're going to talk about today on Liquid Gold, a podcast about all things beverage and cocktails and bar life and bartenders and coffee and Mexican beer and everything else in between. Some music, some culture, what have you. Yeah,
1: this Today is where we we're, get into the, gr- the we're gray a lost. Area.
0: Yeah, we're lost. We're lost um, on a train across the sea. And yeah, my name is Mike Wolf, along with Kenneth Dedman. Great to be here to just be able to maybe get some things off our chest. We've been depressed. Yeah, uh,
1: been pretty bummed out, man.
0: We recently lost a hero of ours and a favorite writer. And also, what's interesting is... Or one interesting fact is my neighbor, David Berman, amazing literary titan, Mm -hmm. one of the greatest poets alive until he took his own life recently in Brooklyn, New York. I thought it was important that we focus on him today and pay tribute, go through some of his words. I had a recent, really beautiful experience with Mr. Berman, which is what I called him. Um, Cause I didn't know what else to call him when I would see him in the neighborhood, other than I like to think of him as like an alternate universe Mister Rogers. Like, hey, it's Mister Berman. Uh, That's he's good. given so much. He's given so much inspiration to so many people over the years, and has changed the outlook that a lot of people have. So it's just a it's a big loss for a lot of people that creatively were so inspired by this guy and. I'm uh, very fortunate to have uh, just walked the dog next to him a few times and said a few words here and there. I saw him, which was really interesting. I saw him on the day Merle Haggard died, and we had both just found out about that. So that was kind of interesting. But yeah, he was a very close neighbor of mine, and due to his uh, living life as kind of a recluse, also doing some traveling recently, working on the record kind of all over Canada and the United States. Um, hadn't been around a ton in the last few years, but yeah, as I mentioned recently, this was must have been three weeks ago or so, Is right after his new record came out as Purple Mountains, his new project and first record in almost 10 years or his, so. His new band. His new band, uh, Purple Mountains. I had bought the single, I had heard the record, I thought it was a masterpiece, all the, the lyrics are are very, very good, and, but I didn't quite, I hadn't went out and bought the vinyl copy of the record, just had the vinyl single, so I ran into him, we were both walking our dog one night, on a summer night, uh, July, said, hey, Mr. Berman, hey, congrats on the record, uh, it's a masterpiece, it's beautiful, and he said, oh, uh, thanks do you have a copy of it? And I said, well, I have the single, but I haven't, uh, haven't got the vinyl yet. I felt kind of embarrassed. You know, yeah. that he was like, you have a copy. I was like, uh, no, that was but within a week. It was, within yeah, a week it, it, of it, it had releasing. just come out. Yeah. Probably yeah.
1: less than like four days, five days. Right. right. It had just come out. My timing and so right. he
0: said, oh, well come on inside and, uh, I'll get you a copy. So there I was walking into, uh, Mr. Berman's house with both of us holding our dogs and, uh, And so we go in, he grabs a copy of the record and invites me in. We talked a little bit. I told him how I had recently, you know, I was nearing completion of a book and that, you know, I had to give him props. I wasn't sure when I was going to see him again. I knew that he wasn't going to be living in Nashville a whole lot. And I felt it was an important time for me to say all the influence he had given to me. The, his book, Actual Air, which we're going to read a few passages from, an amazing book of poetry that changed the way that a lot of people look at the world. Uh, my brother even said, and I feel like this is a really nice compliment to give another writer, but he said he kind of changed the way I would just look at a stream or an open field or a set of trees sitting by the train. He had that way of making you just look at the most uh, mundane things in life. And finding beauty in them finding poetry in them Um, so I told him about that I had been a writer and that I had uh, that had been influenced by his writing over the years and he was he was such a down-to-earth guy that he um, he was almost confused by praise or he was um, the first time I, I met him in the neighborhood and just said hey I'm a huge fan of your work he looked at me like are you sure You know who I am. And I was like, yeah, I'm a huge, huge, huge fan of your music and your writing. And I think he was just always kind of bewildered that people really knew who he was. And he had as many fans that he did. So not that we have to, but if I'm going to stay on topic for our show and talk about drinks at all, it was interesting that on that night and he was looking for a pen to sign the record which I later would, uh, smear, smeared with my arm right after he (laughs) autographed, uh, the copy. And I said, Oh, Uh what an idiot. I just, uh, I just smeared it with my arm. That's precious. (laughs) Um, and he said, well, now you're on that record too, which was a really funny thing to say. But, um, he asked me what I did in town or where I worked. And I told him how I was doing this tiki bar called chopper. And he was really interested to hear about the tiki bar with the robots and, he talked about a uh, bar in Canada that was like a tiki bar with lots of heavy metal that he thought was really interesting, and he had mentioned how he had been uh, more into tall gin and tonics recently. And but did say, and this was this was uh, just one of the funniest, just weirdest, most random things that's ever happened in my life. He said. We should uh, maybe we could collaborate on a drink together because I was telling him, you need to come to Chopper and hang out. And he was like, "Oh yeah, well, I'm, I'm really into gin, but maybe we can maybe we can come up with a drink together." Uh, which was really funny. You know, he's joking, but it was he was also like seemed like it'd be a really fun project, you know, for a couple neighbors to try to come up with a fun tropical drink that he could have at the uh, you know at the local Tiki bar. It was just a surreal experience. And it was the most time I had spent with him as a neighbor. And I just feel really fortunate to have had that experience. And to, you know, it's hard. Like you try to share stuff like that on Instagram, which I didn't really, I didn't really share anything about it until after he had passed because it's such a weird, fucked up time now. Like, how do you, when things happen that are really, really important, it's almost like you can't, you have the impulse to share because we're all sharing things about our life, but it's hard to share something that's so kind of epic like that and so special. Also sort of very uh, unique experience. And how do you um, sum that up in a, with a picture and with a, with a, a few words? Um, so I tried, but I'll have to say that from the time that it happened to the time of his passing and everything it didn't really feel like something that was shareable it was too special for that you know what
1: i mean yeah yeah no, i mean it's a weird yeah. time you're not a braggy dude like no yeah. you didn't do that <laughs> that's what makes you honorable <laughs> you i post think what's, it post death cuz it's it's a it's it's in in memoriam
0: yeah it was uh it was an, a a small little moment and an experience that Tells you a lot about the kind of guy that he was. He was very generous and he was a very gentle soul. And from what I could tell and what he said, you know, he's like, I've spent a lot of time in this house writing and reading. I wrote most of these songs sitting right over there. And he pointed by the window. And it was, uh, it was really cool to see that and just, you know, have that little, that, that little window into, um, his process or whatever. I think it's important that we mention too now if you are, if you know anyone having suicidal thoughts or um, anything like that, the National Suicide Prevention Line, 1 800 273 8255. That is 1 800 273 TALK. There is, it's also worth noting here, there's also a text line. You can text hello to 7417 Four one, seven four one seven four one. You can text that. Both services are free. They're available twenty four hours a day. If you or anyone you know is having trouble with that, do reach out. Reach out to your friends. Yeah, situations yeah, you got a lot like of this. Number. You
1: got a lot of numbers in your phone, like yeah. Call one of them.
0: Yeah, you know you can always reach out to me. Thanks, Mike. And I know I can reach out to you. Sure. And can. I can share. We can share when we're depressed. Um, and I think it's important to to be honest about those things and just say, you know, hey, I've I've been depressed lately. Or, you know, I'm I'm not feeling like myself or I can't really focus or yeah.
1: you know. Um Yeah, I find if you it's if you do that, it's a little bit more efficient too. Like you, you ain't gotta say, oh I'm fine, I'm fine. Like my toe hurts, my fucking foot hurts, my my shin hurts. My calf hurts. My knee. Working my way up. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. We're getting to that age where there's little twinges of pain, little tinges of pain everywhere. Uh, but I did want to read. Uh, there's a few. Well, the whole book, Actual Air, came out in 1999. Um, definitely changed how I viewed a lot of things, and just and and also writing in general. Because if you're a writer, I was, and I first found out about this book from Guy Picciotto from Fugazi, who I feel like was always a cultural, I don't know, he would, he would like lift the blinds on a lot of things that were culturally important or interesting. Or if he ever said anything in an interview, it was like, I need to check that band out. I need to check that book out. And when he had mentioned David Berman, actual heir, and kind of tied it together with Silver Jews, I didn't know about this book. So when I got it, I realized he's more of a writer than he is a musician or a songwriter or whatever uh, because the book is so good. Uh, But this is from Actual Air, 1999, David Berman. This was a poem called Classic Water. I remember Kitty saying we shared a deep longing for the consolation prize, laughing as we rinsed the stagecoach. I remember the night we camped out and I heard her whisper, think of me as a place, from her sleeping bag, with the centaur print. I remember being in her father's basement workshop when we picked up an unknown man sobbing over the shortwave radio, and the night we got so high we convinced ourselves that the road was a hologram projected by the headlight beams. I remember how she would always get everyone to vote on what we should do next and the time she said, all water is classic water, and shyly turned her face away. At volleyball games, her parents sat in the bleachers like ambassadors from Indiana and all their Midwestern schmaltz. She was destroyed when they were busted for operating a private judicial system within U.S. borders. Sometimes I'm awakened in the middle of the night by the clatter of a room service cart, and I think back on Kitty, those summer evenings by the government lake, talking about the paradox of multiple Santas, or how it felt to have your heart broken. I still get a hollow feeling on Labor Day, when the summer ends, And I remember how I would always refer to her boyfriends as What's-His-Face, which was wrong of me. And I'd like to apologize to those guys right now, wherever they are. No one deserves to be called What's-His-Face. So that's a a really um, great David Berman uh, poem that shows you kind of his dark humor. And he uh, he did have an amazing sense of humor and sense of humor is really a hard thing, I think, to translate when you're writing. I think something you could speak on, Kenneth, one of Berman's favorite periods in Nashville was when he moved here. The Titans were sort of a new franchise. He was a big Tennessee Titans fan and Steve McNair fan, and saw the what happened to Steve McNair being murdered as you know a big tragedy for Nashville. And... Yeah, what, uh, you, you were around here during that period, late sure. 90s into the, uh, early 2000s.
1: Absolutely. What was that period like for you? Oh, it was glorious. Glorious. Are you talking about the, like, the Titans, like, AFC runs? Cause those were, those were dope. We were one yard away from a Super Bowl. S- yep. Steve McNair would be in the Hall of Fame, as would Eddie George, as would, uh, probably Blaine Bishop and, um, uh, Kevin Dyson Frank Frank Wycheck, like all these guys would be <laughs> yeah would be in the the Hall of Fame by now uh if not for a, one, one damn yard son of a bitch well yeah uh well like Steve McNair like uh what was a murder and uh we were segwaying segwaying out of suicide into his murder cold-blooded murder I I myself Mike had a a similar uh experience well, I had an experience as far as Steve McNair's um, life was a week before he died, Fourth of July, uh, uh, two thousand nine. Uh, my boss at, at the bar that I was working at got us all, got us a bus and took us all to Dave and Buster's over at Opry Mills Mall. Mm. We're bowling, playing video games, open bar, got wasted, bro. Our server was the chick that um, that, that blasted Steve McNair. Wow. I talked to her for like twenty minutes. Wow, well, that's pretty heavy. Yeah, it's a it was a glorious time because there was this uh, there was this window in time where the city still was kind of dirty south, but getting better. And there's this kind of way that cities develop when they're getting they have all the resources that they need. They get better. They get better. They get better. Overflowed. It happens with. I mean historically any city that's thriving gets overrun by by human beings. Um the folks that um uh, that are originally from there, I don't know, like uh I, I feel like sometimes like uh we're we're treated like we're like or we feel. We either are treated or like we feel. I feel like we feel kind of like quizlings or something like like uh like like roaches left over after after a picnic. Mhm.
0: Interesting. Who's the roach again?
1: The folks that were Nashville residents at the way back in the day, in these in these early days of the Tennessee Titans. I'm not t- tying it essentially to like sports, but like talking about the development of the city. Everyone thinks we all moved away, but um, I don't think a lot of a lot as many Nashvilleians. I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about, Mike. We're gonna have to edit the shit out of this.
0: Take us into a window of. Uh, the magic that was Nashville at the turn of the millennium and early 2000s where it was still a pretty small town. I was first came to Nashville in 2002 and I just remember it feeling very, very small being able to get anywhere in 10 minutes. And also this um, just fun, kind of funky energy that was around that uh, it didn't feel cool, but it was cool because it wasn't like trying to be cool,
1: right? I felt like there were a lot of cool things going on. You had to know about them, yeah. But there was always this guise of like honky tonking downtown, where which was I don't I don't know like you never really saw the youth participate in the honky tonking down there. I don't think until like the advent of Fireball did um, anyone really really start wanting to like put boots on. Fresh off a plane and trot around for a weekend, and yeah, go limping home to um, Jackson, Wyoming mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. at best, uh-huh.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like the city's grown, I get it, I get it. Um, every time I get an Uber driver, I'm reminded, I'm reminded of that. like they either ask me, I mean, this is any Uber driver, anyone's experience they they ask you if you're a traveler or a resident. And then, if you pass the test of as, into the resident realm, they want to ask you how long you've been here. And if you've been here longer than them, it becomes a quiz show of like who, who like who was the mayor in uh, nineteen eighty nine? Divorced is why Bill Bonner. Ding! <laughs> you you seriously have to go through this like weird uh, quiz show with old Nashville residents these days. It's just, like how how they've how how. Nashville res- residents have have been divided and conquered because they're constantly trying to conquer each other. And that's why I kind of like bring up like the 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 word quisling, which is kind of like a synonym of like a traitor or something like that. A lot of Nashvillians feel like they're traitors, but truth is that they, they were in the right place at the right time. Macroeconomics development came to the south over the last three deck three decades and Nashville is a it city because it was supposed to be an it city without a Super Bowl from a, or a Stanley Cup
0: yeah from an old silver juice song you can't change the feeling but you can change your feelings about the feeling mm. in, a, in a second or two that's a good one the uh here's another one there were no new ways to understand the world only new days to set our understandings against. Through the lanes came virgins in tennis shoes, their hair shining like videotape, singing us into a kind of sleep we hadn't tried yet. Each page was a new chance to understand the last, and somehow the sea was always there to make you feel stupid.
1: Haha, <laughs> that's pretty dope. Did
0: you ever see Berman live? I never did get to see him play live. Uh his last tour before the we were about to go see him in a couple days here. And the last tour, almost 10 years ago, um, I did not get to see a show.
1: Yeah, I think that was about the time. I saw, I saw Silver Jews one time, and that was at Five Spot. No, it wasn't at Five Spot. I saw Pavement at Five Spot. I saw Silver Jews at the, uh, at the Cumberland Caverns in the cave.
0: Damn. Another line, there's beasts and there's men, and there's something on this earth that comes back again he had a little dig at drinking margaritas at the mall <laughs> in the new on the new album margaritas at the mall is the song and it was uh it said we're just drinking margaritas at the mall this happy hour has got us by the balls magenta orange acid green peacock blue and burgundy and uh another another favorite all right as we're going through some classic Berman lines i'm gonna shine out in the wild kindness and hold the world
1: to its word
0: so there was there was always something kinda of playful about it, humorous, dark, very American.
1: Yeah, he was a he was a lot of people. He was I mean, he had I mean, in popular culture he reminded me of Frank Zappa, Kurt Vonnegut, William S. Burroughs. Yeah. Sheesh. Even uh Deb, Debbie 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 Harry a little bit. Pretty sick, dude.
0: Yep.
1: Well I'll look forward to um to his last 10 years of work slowly, slowly coming out, if it comes out. Hopefully it does. I'm pretty sure he was incredibly productive.
0: This is a poem he wrote called Tulsa from Actual Air. A woman named Tina drinks gin at sunset before a pair of drawn curtains that frame the dry grasslands and tangerine hilltops of her native county. An insurance bill is pinned to the desktop by a calculator. The curtains are purple. The man she intends to marry is reserved as a dark prairie pond. He paints radio storms in the basement beside a globe of Mars, his hair and shoes the color of ox blood. The local graveyard is now run by the management company he owns. Stones are strewn on the even pathways like the exploded bits of a larger rock. Annually, starlings fill the trees as if commanded by a book on death. And she, a manicurist who digs the intimacy of her work, holds hands for a living, perfecting the extremities of oilmen and bankers. But this man, this man she intends to marry, is strange. She wonders, what's the deal with quiet people? Can they read minds? Just then, a june bug flies in and lands on a curtain, the purple curtain on her right, my left, her right. Uh, I've always, I've always liked that one. Um, and another one to check out would be Self Portrait at Twenty Eight, which is also in that book. Probably too long to read. In this format, we could just sit here doing this all day. But um, I th- I think uh, one thing we're we're both in the service industry and, uh, depression and things like that are really swept under the rug in, in our industry. And there's light, there's, there's, there's long nights and there's, uh, early mornings and it can wear people down. And so I think for, for us, we could speak on the fact that, yeah, if you are feeling down and getting, uh, run down just get help. Reach out to your friends and just talk to somebody about it. I think that's the best uh, advice we could
1: give. Yeah, or write it down. Write it down. Write it down and mail it. Mail it to your friends. That's your assignment, folks. Liquid gold listeners, send a card to a friend. Someone you haven't talked to in a while. Send them a card. Text them and get their address. Then send them a card. Yep. While you're at it, pay them a compliment. Then send them a card, paying them another compliment. Two compliments, one assignment, two compliments, um, one text. Get their address.
0: I'm going to find something here. Just give me a second. Okay, yeah. I wanted to end it with um, thanks for, you know, just thanks to our listeners. Thanks for indulging us on this uh, departure as we deal with the loss of a big inspiration to us and a uh, neighbor to myself. My name is Mike Wolf along with my co-host, Kenneth Deadman, We are at LiquidGold_Pod underscore pod on Instagram. Weownthistown.net. Definitely subscribe. Give us a rating. All that good stuff. I do want to end it with some advice that Berman had given to aspiring writers, different writers on a Reddit question and answer thing. And he said, write 20 lines a day, five days a week, good or bad, 20 lines. After a couple weeks, go through and remove the good stuff. Put that in a notebook. You will fill a notebook or two every year, depending on how hard you are on yourself. Now be hard on yourself. Keep it down. To one notebook a year. So it's a good, that's uh, a good little exercise for all you aspiring writers out there. And we have a very special episode on the calendar. We'll be talking to Pat Halloran from Henrietta Red. About all things jello shots, film, cocktails, Zerbens, apple brandy, all those things on a future episode that we really look forward to, as well as getting into the legend of the hurricane on a future episode of Shots. Shots. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Rest in peace, rest in power. David Cloud Berman, DCB. We love you. Later, Dave. Love you, brother. Talk right. to you soon, Ken.
1: Thanks, Mike. Later, Tater.